Well, good morning, everybody. Man, isn't Dave and Phyllis such a treasure? They are some of my favorite people in the world. And the mission is is what it is because of them. So thank you guys so much for all you do and who you are. All right. What a good morning. All right. Just wanted to remind you, in two weeks, December 24th, which is Christmas Eve. How many of you love Christmas Eve? It's my favorite day of the year that's growing up. That's when we opened our presents. So I love Christmas Day, but Christmas Eve was, was the day. So, but we, um, our service that morning will be online only. So if you show up here, you'll be by yourself. And you'll be outside in the cold because nothing will be open. But it's going to be online only on the 24th. So... Stay in your pajamas, grab some coffee, and tune us in at 10 o'clock. It'll be on our YouTube channel, so you can get us there. And then we'll be back in person on the 31st. Say the 31st. All right, December 31st, we'll be back in person, and we'll finish off the year together. You don't want to miss that. Um, So be here. All right. You going to be here? Oh, good. It's also good to have Dan and Regina in the house this morning. Good to have them here with us. So good. All right. Let me get stuff situated here. So a few, or actually probably about almost a month ago, I talked about finishing the year strong. How many of you remember that? Awesome. I got a couple of you to remember. Woo! Success. But we want to finish this year strong, um, and there's a, some financial things that are due at the beginning of the year. So we want to be able to finish this year off strong and start next year off well. And we just wanted to present to you as the family of the mission a couple opportunities, some bills that are coming up that we'd love to be able to pay off this year so we can start off next year well. And here's some of the stuff. Our, our phone system thinks it can operate when it wants to, not all the time when it's supposed to. So we're in the process of needing to change that over to a new system. Um, the great thing is the new system in the long term is going to save us a bunch of money too, but we got to replace that. We have our yearly children's curriculum where we buy the curriculum for the whole year, which is great for our children. And then our kids' check-in and database and registration program has to be paid for at the beginning of the year. And then our liability insurance is due at the beginning of the year. And then also our health insurance. So all in total, it's over $18,000 that's going to have to go out at the beginning of the year. And we would love to be able to take care of it this year. So we can start off next year well. So we're just inviting you to, to pray about it and invest in the mission at the end of this year for so we can start off next year if you want to drop it an offering, just mark it, finishing strong, and it'll go towards paying those bills off so we can get it done this year, so we can start next year strong. All right? Say amen. amen. All right. All right, if you got your Bibles, turn to Proverbs 10, 27. So how many of you would like your years to be extended on this earth? Does anybody in here want it to be shorter? Well, here's the key, Proverbs 10, 27. The reverent and worshipful fear of the Lord prolongs one's days, but the years of the wicked shall be made short. So God's telling us the key here to extending your days is to have the fear of the Lord. So I suggest that you learn how to do that. It is a mystery The fear of the Lord to me is a mystery. Because he also says, perfect love casts out all fear. But we're also supposed to fear the Lord. Remember, God's a mystery. And there's things that 
God conceals from us so that we seek him out. So I would really highly recommend that you seek out the fear of the Lord and learn what that actually is and how you live that out. And your years will be extended. So I'd encourage you to do that. Because it is the great mystery. But God's a great mystery. And I'm so glad he is. Because if I fully understood him, then I'm God. So, I encourage you in that. All right. We're going to pray real quick. So that today you hear what the Spirit's saying. Not what I'm saying, but what the Spirit is saying. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you open our ears today to hear you. Open our hearts to the Spirit of God right now. So that we hear you this morning. Hear what you're saying. And we live it out. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Man, I got a lot of time this morning. I can preach like three messages. Don't worry, I won't. But this last week, Darian, our staff, we have staff devotions a couple times a week. And each staff member takes time, takes a turn and shares. And we do some worship together and have devotions. And Michelle this week said something really profound. It wasn't even what she was talking about in her devotion, but she said this line that really impacted me. To, and I want to talk about it today. And this is basically what she said. It says, when I bring myself back to everything is God's, it makes it easy to obey. Because it's his, it's not mine. And, it, and then she went on to her devotion, and I'm like, whoa, whoa wait a minute. I don't think you realize the impact of that statement and what that is. So today I want to talk about everything is God's and how that impacts Christmas. So I'm going to try to go on that journey today and try to connect it to, to Christmas. It will. You're going to have to bear with me because it's going to take a little bit of time to get there. But I want to talk about how everything is God's and how how it impacts Christmas. So lately I've been watching Shark Tank. How many of you have watched Shark Tank? I love this show. If you don't know what Shark Tank is, it's, there's a panel of businessmen and women, the sharks, and entrepreneurs and business owners come in, pitch their business or product, hoping that they invest in them. And it's so fascinating to me because I, I learn about business and I also learn about leadership, and I learn about how to present something, how to talk about your business, know your numbers, all this stuff. So it's a great show. I love it. But what happens is these, these men and women come on that have created a product. And a lot of times they talk about a patent. They're like, yeah, we, they'll ask them, do you have a patent for this? And they're like, yes, we have one. And basically a patent says, you created it, so you own it. And nobody else can duplicate it. Nobody else can sell it, except for you. Because you created it, so therefore it's yours. See, God is kind of the same way. Everything is God's because he created it. Right? So Genesis 1, 1. says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So he created it all. All the heavens, all the earth. And then God is speaking to Moses on the mountain Sinai, and he says that this, and this is Exodus 19.5. Now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession, although the whole earth is mine. So God's declaring, hey, everything's mine. Moses later on writes it in Deuteronomy 10, 14. To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it. Again, Moses is declaring everything is God's. David, King David puts it this way, Psalms 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. It's all his. 
Paul establishes God as the creator in Hebrews 2.10. says, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists. Again, declaring God owns everything. I love how Jesus says it. He says it this way in Matthew 5.34. says, but I tell you, do not swear an oath at all either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by earth, for it is his footstool. Basically, hey, if, if it's your footstool, you own it. Right? If you can sit back, put your feet up on it, it's yours. I love how Jesus says it this way. But it's his. It's all his. He created it, so therefore it's his. But he created everything, but he also created you, which means you're his. And that's good news. Is yours, you are his because he created you. Now we're supposed to be stewards of this earth. We're supposed to be stewards of what he created, but it's still his. He owns it because he created it. And the sooner we give up control and our rights to everything, the sooner we live in how God created us to be. Because he created it all, not us. So you're probably thinking, Ryan, what does this have to do with Christmas? Well, we'll get there. Well, we will get there, don't worry. But God is the only one that can create something out of nothing. But then we get to the garden, and Satan comes along to talk to Eve. Adam and Eve have been in the garden. They're living with God as as God created it. They're having fellowship with God. And Satan comes along to sell him a counterfeit. So he comes to Eve, and this is him talking to Eve. This is Genesis 3, verse 5. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So here he's bringing two counterfeits to Eve. And the first one is, you will be like God. See, the truth is, God made man in his image, but not equal to God. See, we are made in his image, But we're not equal to God. Just like my kids are made in my image. But they're not me. Now they're attached to me. They get the benefits of me. But they're not me. But they are made in my image. But Satan comes along and and gives the counterfeit that we are equal to God. He's basically telling Eve, you can be equal to God and everything can be yours. If you eat this, you will be God. Because the counterfeit to the real thing is everything's God. Everything is his. And he is God. And because the counterfeit leads you to, well, if I'm equal to God, then I can live life however I want to. That I determine what life should be. That's what he was selling Eve, was the counterfeit to the real thing. Then the second thing he's selling to her is you'll knowing good and evil. See, the truth is, God is the one who establishes what is good and what is evil. But the counterfeit is, you determine what, good, what is good, and you determine what is evil. See, he was telling her, hey, you get to decide. If you eat this, then you get to decide what is good, and you get to decide what is evil. Instead of the real thing, is God gets to decide that. And I really believe that is the spirit of our age is that you get to determine what is good and what is evil. 
And a lot of us fall into that trap of settling for the counterfeit. That I get to determine what's good and what's evil. But that's not the truth. The real thing is God determines it. See, this Bible isn't just to sit on our shelves and be read when we feel like it. Or read it to find the things that we like. But if you haven't realized there's been such an attack on the word of God inside the church. I'm not talking to the world. The world's always been against God. So we're not talking about, I'm talking about inside the church to discredit the Bible. Because they're falling for the counterfeit. That we get to decide what is good and what is evil. But that's not the real thing. The real thing is he decides that. And that's how he created it. Because everything is his because he created it. So then we look at, see, so we have time now. Adam and Eve fall for the counterfeit. And now Jesus has come on the scene. And Satan tries the same tactic with him. Right? Jesus goes out into the... uh, the wilderness and is fasting for 40 days. And he comes to tempt Jesus. And so we're going to read this. It's a little bit long, but we're going to read it. And then we're going to kind of go step, step through it. So this is Matthew 4, verse 3. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written... Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. So the counterfeits here, these are what he came with Jesus to try to get him to buy into the counterfeit. And the counterfeit that he's trying to get him to buy into is God is not your source, you are. He said, turn these stones to bread. See, that's one of his ploys to get you to buy into the counterfeit. Is to get you to think that you are the source. That you are the one that provides for you. But when we believe the truth that everything is God. That he created everything. Then he is our source. And we get to steward it. Because Jesus' response here. Is man shall not live on bread alone. But on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus is saying no, no, no. God's my source. He will provide for me. I'm not supposed to be the source. So the next thing, he tries to sell Jesus on the counterfeit. Is is he really God? Is his word really true? Because he said, jump off this, the angel is good. And he actually quotes scripture. You realize he can actually quote scripture? Just because you quote scripture doesn't make you holy. Doesn't make you spiritual. And doesn't make you right. I'm going to leave that one right there. But he reads scripture. He uses scripture. 
to get Jesus to believe a counterfeit. But what's interesting, he leaves out the next verse. So he reads the verse from uh, Psalms 91, where it talks about the angels will protect Jesus. But he forgets verse 13, because it's about him. And verse 13 is this, you will tread on the lion and the cobra, you will trample the great lion and the serpent. See, he, he conveniently forgot that part. But he used scripture to try to get Jesus to buy into God's word isn't really true. Or is he re- question, is he really who he says he is? And we can fall for that. We pull scriptures out that we love. And we ignore the ones that we don't quite like. Like the ones that say, pick up your cross. We don't like those ones. Treat your enemies. Love your enemies. Turn the other cheek. We don't like those ones. And we don't like to quote those unless somebody's being mean to us. Right? But we can fall into the trap that only some of it applies. But Jesus' response was, do not put the Lord God to test. Which is almost like, if, like you, have you ever heard, like, been in a situation where someone says something kind of outrageous and you get in their face and you're like, prove it. Right? I know you probably have never done that. <laughs> but that's kind of what this is saying. Like, don't do that to God. Believe him. Believe what he says. Believe that he is God. And what he said is true. So the third thing that he tries to get to have him buy into, Jesus buy into the counterfeit, is everything is not God's. Because he takes them up and shows them the world, basically, all the kingdoms. And he says, I will give it to you. Which he's saying, God doesn't, isn't owner of those. God didn't create those. They're not his. He said, I'll give you it all if you worship me. Which I find really fascinating that he, how much he values worship. Which I think can kind of be a little sad that he probably values worship more than we do. See, when the wise men came to Jesus, when he was born, they saw the star two years earlier. And they're the only ones that are recorded that actually saw the star and recognized what it was, which blows me away. And so I I love their story. But they saw the star They go, oh, that's different. Something's going on. Let's find out what's going on. They find out what it means that the Savior is being born. And so for two years, they prepare and travel so they can go worship. Because they get to Herod and they say, hey, the Savior's been born. The King of the Jews has been born. We want to go worship him. So they put all their resources, their time, traveling, just so they can worship. On the 24th, I'm going to be speaking about our response to Jesus' coming. But these guys spent their resources, their time, their energy. They valued worship so much that they dedicated at least two years of their life just so they can go worship the king once. I think we have to upgrade our value for worship. 
Just so you know, worship starts at 10 o'clock. Just saying. We'd love to have you here. And it doesn't take you two years to get here. I digressed. I'll get off my soapbox. Now I got to find my notes. But Satan's whole strategy is for Jesus to buy into the counterfeit. And Jesus' response to it was worship the Lord your God and serve him alone. He's the only one that owns it all. And he's the only one to be worshiped. See, his whole strategy from the very beginning is for us to buy into that we own it. That it's ours. That we can be God instead of him. It's been a strategy from the very beginning. It's nothing new. But the real thing is that it's all God's. Everything is his. Our finances, our children, our resources, our lives, everything is his because he is the creator of it all. But we so often settle for the counterfeit. But that's why he sent his son. Which is so amazing to me. He created everything. But he sent his son. To redeem it. Something that he already owned. He paid the price of his son. For something that he already owned. Because see God. Holds us with his hands open. And saying you. I created you. You're mine. But I give you the choice. I give you free will. So you can either choose to stay in me. Or you can choose. To live the counterfeit. But he keeps his hand open. Because. He gave us free will. Because you got to, to be able to love, you got to have a choice. You got to have a choice to be able to love. If he didn't give us a choice, then there's no way we can love him because we don't have a choice. It's not love. That's why divorce rate is so high in this country. Because we've settled for the counterfeit that you have, a, that love, the, that love is a feeling. And if you don't feel like you love them, you can leave them. But love is a choice, which is the real thing. But we've fallen for the counterfeit. Oh, I don't, feel, I don't love them anymore. I don't feel that love for them anymore. So I'm going to leave. I'm going to break this up. I'm going to divorce them. Because love is not a feeling. It has feelings. There's feelings to love. But love is a choice. And God demonstrates that love. Because he says, hey, I created you. I love you. So I'm going to give you a choice. And you can either stay in me, the real thing. Or you can settle for the counterfeit. And then he sent his son. Says, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. He gave his son to a world that he created. So that he can have that relationship again. That he can have that relationship with you. So you can choose the real thing. And not the counterfeit. John 3, 16, 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish. But have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. But to save the world through him. See God didn't send Jesus to come as a child. To condemn you. He didn't go, oh, my creation has so screwed this all up. I'm sending Jesus to come 
destroy them. No. He said, no, 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 no. I love them and I'm sending Jesus to save them. And then verse 18. says, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. See, he gives us the choice. You either believe in my son. And you're not condemned. That comes off the table. Being condemned comes off the table when you believe in my son. But there is a consequence if you don't believe in my son. You are condemned because you're choosing that. You're choosing not to believe in my son. You're choosing not to be redeemed. But that's why he sent him, is to redeem us and to bring us freedom. And that's the Christmas story. Is that God so loved us that he sent his son to redeem us. To come into this world. The world that he created. To redeem it. To pay for it back. Even though it was his. Because he loves us so much. He he holds us with his hand open. And gives us choice. Don't fall for the counterfeit. Because that's what he wants you to do. Satan wants you to fall for the counterfeit. And it will bring destruction to your life. But if you live in the real deal, the original, that God owns it all, that everything is him, his, and we get to steward it. Then you get to live a life of freedom. Without burden. Without the way, you know, Jesus said my burden's light. Why? Because it's all God's. It's all his. So when he asks you to go do something, oh, it's God's. If it doesn't work out, it's God's. I don't have anything to lose. It's not mine anyways. We still steward it well. But then the day it's his. It takes the pressure off. Yeah, I gotta be a good steward of it. But if he asks me to do this and it doesn't work out, what well, was his anyways? Right? I go tell the kids to go do something. Go take the car out for a drive. And they're 10 years old. My grandpa did that. I was like 10, 11 years old. He threw me the keys, said, hey, drive down to the shop when you want to, when you're ready to come down. Now, granted, it's a little tiny fishing village that didn't even have a stoplight in it. It had like two stop signs in the whole, it's not even a town, it's barely a town. But, But if I wreck that car, that's on him. It's his. He was putting it at risk. Not me. I was just a 10-year-old, 11-year-old, trying to figure out how to drive a car. I did make it there without crashing. It was nerve-wracking, but it, it was great. That was my grandpa. He, quite an amazing man. Oh. But God loves us so much that he gave his son for us. And that's what we get to celebrate this Christmas. That even though we screwed it up, he sent his best for us. He paid the best price for us. The ultimate price. Jesus paid the ultimate price for us. So we're going to take communion today together to worship him in this. That everything is his. And that Jesus came to set us free. So why don't you stand with me. Go, yeah, worship team, come on up.
grab communion. There's communion at the, the stations. But I'm telling you, if you can change your mindset and your heart that everything is God's, it will radically change your life. That your children are his. And you just get to steward them. Now you do feel like you want to kill them. And that is perfectly okay. As long as you don't actually do it. But it's all his. See the key here for not falling for the counterfeit. Is what Jesus did. He quoted scripture. He quoted what God has said. So how do you not fall for the counterfeit? Know his word. Know God's word. And actually live it. See, Jesus actually lived it. That's why it had power when he said it. Because he wasn't saying something contradictory to his life. He was actually declaring something that he lived. And that's how we combat the counterfeit. Is to know what God said about it. And live it. So I'm going to have Kim sing this song. And as... She sings this song as we prepare for communion. I want you to just have a, a conversation with the Holy Spirit. And before we take communion, just ask the Holy Spirit, where have I f- fallen for the counterfeit? Where in my life have I fallen for the counterfeit? Where do I need an upgrade to the real thing? So she's going to sing this song and I want you to have that conversation with the Holy Spirit before we take communion today as a family. No holy night The stars are brightly shining It is the night of our dear Savior's birth Long lay the world in sin and error pine till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder. A new and glorious morn Fall on your knees Oh, hear the angel voices Oh, night divine Holy! 
this is my body that's going to be broken for you this is why I came so my body can be broken for you and he took it and said take this to remember so let's take the bread in remembrance of why he came and what he did And then he took the cup. So this represents my blood that we spilt for you. That through this, you'll be washed white as snow. That through this, you will have freedom in life. This is why I came. So you can be redeemed back to me. Because you are my creation. And I love you. And I want you. So he gave him the cup to take to remember why he came. So let's take it together. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, Jesus, you reign. Ah, uh, Jesus, you reign. And he shall reign forever and ever. Come on, let's worship him.
morning, I want to give you an opportunity. You're saying, Ryan, I'm not right with God. I've fallen for the counterfeit, but I want to come to Jesus today. If that's you and you need to get right with Jesus today, I just invite you to come forward right now so we can love on you and introduce you to the one that gave everything for you. So if that's you this morning, you're like, I need to get my life right. I need to get back on track. I need Jesus to be in my life. If that's you, just come on down right now. We want to pray with you and introduce you to the one that loves you and that will set you free. If I can also have the ministry team come down. Go ahead, come on down. He is the savior of the world. And he's here this morning. The healer's in the room. The one that can heal every pain, every sorrow, can change every circumstance in a moment, is here in the room. And if you need him to touch your life this morning, if you need healing, physical healing, or you need emotional healing, The Savior's in the room. The healer's in the room. So I'd invite you to come down this morning to these people and let them pray with you so that his healing power can flow through you and into you and bring healing, the healing that he paid for already. So I'd invite you to come. Come to Jesus this morning. Come to him. He's here with his arms open wide for you. So come this morning. We're going to sing this one more time and just come. So Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're in the room. Jesus, that you're in the room. That you came, that you loved us. And you came to set us free. And you are the savior of the world. Oh, Jesus.